Welcome to the Show Me Education podcast. Join us as we share best practices and show you the amazing and meaningful work of educators across Missouri and beyond. The mission of the Show Me Education podcast is to share stories that resonate with you and allow you to walk away feeling energized and inspired to improve education in your own community. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the learning. Welcome back to the Show Me Education podcast. I am MTDS specialist Betsy Reidenauer. On today's episode, you'll meet Dr. Christine Johnson, principal at Meadow Lane Elementary in the Lee Summit, Missouri School District, and her assistant principal, Micah Fritz. These two educators are leading the charge in building a guiding coalition among the stakeholders in their community and spent some time with me describing their unique process. I hope you enjoy the learning. Welcome to my guests, Dr. Christine Johnson and soon to be Dr. Micah Fritz from Meadow Lane Elementary in the Lee Summit School District. Um, to start off, I'd just like to know a little bit of your background in education. Christine, you want to start off? Absolutely. Uh, this is year 20 for me. I started off as a first grade teacher, then switched over, had a few years of special education experience, second grade teacher, all the while participating in leadership teams and RPDC teams through the district. Um, and then now I'm in my eighth year as an administrator at an elementary building. Great, thank you. Thanks for sharing. Micah, go ahead. Yeah, this is my 12th year uh, in education. I started off as a first grade teacher and then moved to fourth, fifth, and then sixth, seventh. Was an instructional coach, filled in as an interim assistant principal at a high school, and then this is my third year at Meadow Lane as the assistant principal. Great, great. Lots of experience between the two of you. Um, our topic today is building a guiding coalition. So. My question is for listeners that may be new to education or new to maybe collaborative work, um, just kind of the definition of what a guiding coalition is in a school, in a, a building, or district-wide. What does that look like? What does it sound like? What is it? Tell us. Dr. Johnson? It's Dr. J. <laughs> Dr. J. Okay. Dr. J. That's what they call me. I'm a good basketball player. Um <laughs> My thoughts on a guiding coalition is that that is the energy um, of the building. A group of people, whether it could be small, it could be bigger, hopefully have a ripple effect, but the guiding coalition ultimately energizes the building into fulfilling the purpose of high learning for all students. Sometimes you can say it's a leadership team, um, but I think it's people that are your change agents um, and willing to ask the hard questions and reflect on current practices to keep moving forward. Yeah, Micah, do you want to add anything to that, your ideas, thoughts behind it? No, I think she's hit a lot of that, and I'm learning under her leadership right now of how to build that so it's a system that is created that can serve everybody within the building. If it's just Dr. J doing it, then when she leaves, everything that was with her goes, but really building something that can continue on even after the person who may have brought it in leaves. Mm -hmm. So... You know, we don't want to get into a lot of lip service because, you know, a guiding coalition, we can define it, we can talk about it all we want, but what's the process? 
and why. I mean, honestly, um, Christine is the one that brought this topic to me, and so which is fabulous. I'm glad to have listeners um, kind of mm-hmm. decide what they want to want to learn about. And so, what we need to know though is what the process is and what that looks like. And this being your first year at Meadow Lane, Christine, mm-hmm. then what does that look like? Where are you in the process right now, and how do you build that? Okay. Um, we have a group, Guiding Coalition, we actually call it our visionary team right now. Um, and this group of individuals were pulled together, um, number one, based on interest, number two, based on the kind of diversity of where they serve within the building. So we have a good representation of staff across the building, across grade levels, across specialist areas. Um, but ultimately everyone was willing to kind of jump in and do some of the work of building some shared knowledge around what we wanted Meadow Lane to look like, um, not only for the students, but for the adults as well. So right now we are working on, well, we have a book study going, which is a fabulous book, Starting a Movement by Ken Williams, gotta give him a shout out. Um, But we're working on building a shared vision and mission with the staff. So first we're taking it through with a guiding coalition and then we're kind of, those are our early adopters. and they're kind of generating some excitement and energy and other staff members are hearing about it and wanting to be a part of building who and what Meadow Lane will be. Mm-hmm. Which I think is based on that foundation of trust. So echoing Ken Williams again, I mean, he just tweeted the other day, most schools would say that they have teams. 100% of schools mm-hmm. would probably say that they have mm-hmm. teams, but only um, maybe 5% of them actually operate as teams. Mm-hmm. And so that leaves at 95% that need work on that. And that starts at that trust level. And so with Dr. J's first year being here, the old saying, sometimes you have to go slow to go fast Mm -hmm. um, and really gauging what that feels like to build off each other's strengths, but that space has to be created for safety, um, to share ideas that we can truly trust each other. And I think um, that has been a huge thing for this building to create those spaces, to have those conversations and how to move forward based on trust. Mm Yeah, trust is definitely a huge one. You definitely want to pick the people that are going to influence that, the, you know, mm-hmm. and that that's really important. So the interest survey, that intrigues me. So how, what did that look like? And, um, you know, I, Micah has more experience at Meadow Lane so yes. because this is Dr. J's first year here. So <clears throat> did you kind of know who you were gearing things towards or was it staff wide yeah there's been people that have expressed interest i mean i think in any building you go into you have folks who want to teach and that is admirable and we want to support those people who want to get better at their craft and then you also have other sects of student or of uh, adults who want to move into maybe more of a leadership role or even a teacher leader different than going into administration Mm -hmm. and so i think when you're in a building you're often listening for how those folks want to influence students because ultimately it comes back to the student achievement and their behaviors that that we want to work towards improving and so what we did um, since we didn't really have a defined leadership team here at meadow lane um, since i've been here we also wanted to reach out and model what that looks like. So it wasn't just her and I, Dr. J and I, going back and forth of what we think this should look like. We reached out to some other administrators um, in the district as well as outside of the district and said, how did you formulate these? What does this look like? Because there is, I don't think there is a right or wrong way to make it happen, but we also wanted to model, we're going to seek advice when something isn't in place so that way we can have the best possible way of ensuring that everybody's voice is heard that's interested. So we just created a survey um, that just asks some questions like, 
uh, what are your, I don't remember them off the top of my head, but it was mm-hmm. essentially like, are you interested in this? And then what experience do you have of being on a leadership team? What goals do you have personally or professionally that you could bring to the table? How do you handle conflict? I think was mm-hmm. one of them that was on there because that was really important. And that was something we had to feel out as we got to knew, know each other as well was I'm a very direct person, as I'm sure we may get to at some point, and just I'm I'm extremely direct in the way that I communicate. Some people receive that well, and some people take offense to that. However, if we know how people dance, per se, according to Adam Grant, when you want to get in an argument or talk about something, when you want to dance, that level of respect is there because I know how you operate. So we wanted to have a better understanding of coming in to the leadership team of of what that would look like. So when we do disagree, because that's healthy, how mm-hmm. do we move forward and how do we not have hurt feelings with it? Mm-hmm. So it just had some questions um, for them. And then we looked at it as a team and then we communicated mm-hmm. with them personally to just go over what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note, we did have interest um, from a number of people. And of course we couldn't make our leaders. If we were gonna be really able um, to meet some goals and some deadlines, I felt like we couldn't have too large of a team to start. So we just made sure that the other individuals that express interest were placed somewhere else. Because if people are reaching out and want to do the work, um, it's like you don't tear down a fence, you help build. So we made sure they had opportunities, um, whether it was like our student assistance team, like a, a care team, whether it was our, we have like a building celebration culture type team. Mm-hmm. Um, just making sure that everyone that said, no, I'm here, I want to be a part of something had had a place in the building Mm -hmm. Um, and then something else with the interest it wasn't like an application the interest form um, we tried to make it a diverse team like you can't have everybody that thinks the same way Mm -hmm. Um, you want people to all agree that yes it's up to us to make changes and do the work to make sure all kids learn and it's up to us to be reflective and look at data and the evidence of the learning Um, but it doesn't help if we all think the same way it doesn't help if we're all making cute little cards and little post-it notes with bitmojis like I do mm-hmm. because we're not going to get in there you get that group think going so we needed mm-hmm. I know Micah referenced you know that being able to handle conflict but just somebody to challenge kind mm-hmm. of the thoughts in the room um, and then again with me being my first year here Mike is in his third year here we also knew it was extremely important to have representation because we have teachers that have spent their whole career in this building um, we call them the building historians mm-hmm. That's a- <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. so to have building historians on the team and they're very helpful because they bring in a different viewpoint as well. Right. Um, and just hitting on that, one of the activities we did as a leadership team, we did um, a school history map. We put out a big timeline and we like all put little post-it notes on what has the school gone through? What has the staff gone through? Um, because I think it's important to look at, okay, we, a lot of administration turn, turnover in Lee Summit, maybe at, at a central office level. Um, what are some of the buildings and the unique unique ways we had pods and now the walls are up? Um, how did that create isolation versus collaboration? Just so some of the changes and then as far as like demographics of our students changing over the years and how that impacts um, where we are now and where we think we need to go. Yeah, definitely you have to learn the why before yeah. you can move forward. Mm-hmm. So. Um, The goals and the deadlines, that stood out to me, and that's what you just said. Um, You know, you don't want to stray from the goal. You want everybody's voices to be heard, which I think is fabulous to have lots of teams. That's a total retention tool. Mm -hmm. We know that retaining teachers is an issue these days, so that's (laughs) I love that you were giving everybody a voice and a place to um, work for the kids. So, But the goals and the deadlines, so you have to move slow. We, we talked fast. about yes. that, to move fast. I say that often. But 
what are the goals? I mean, at some point there's got to be, mm-hmm. we've made it and now let's set a new goal. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's, is that a school year? Is that two years? Is that three years? What, what is, what's the goal? What's the vision here? Building wide, the goal is hopefully by the end of next year to have specific collective commitments that all tie back to student learning. Um, one of them being teams are going to collaborate together to talk about instructional instructional strategies, um, use different data sources. Another one would be identifying essential standards for our units of study. Another one would be students in need of extra time and support would have that through our TI MTSS process. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think even identifying the teams. Yeah, like just well, identifying yeah, and understanding vertical that teams or identifying yeah. teams mm-hmm. where teachers work well together and they're all passionate about the mm-hmm. same thing and working towards that vision and mission, mm-hmm. which is a goal that we have as well, is to really hone in on what that is for Metal Lane. Like, what is Metal Lane's story and how are mm-hmm. we going to support mm-hmm. that student achievement? Because we haven't done that work together um, since I have been here to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so once you have that, then that's your North Star and then everything just mm-hmm. aligns to that. So really building towards that. So even though it's February of 2022, we're discussing what does February of 2023 look like? So mm-hmm. that way, no different than a great teacher planning backwards of how can we support teachers so that way they do feel valued, they do feel heard. So that retention piece um, isn't maybe as big of an issue because they know what we're working towards as a whole team and as a whole building. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important when you hear like what's the end goal, um, what we're working towards. It could sound very challenging. It could sound like more, doing more of something, more on our plate. We hear that a lot. Um, I think it's important to replicate what's working. So what are the strategies that are working for our students if they're learning at high levels in classrooms or in grade levels? So let's replicate that and not just keep that to a teacher lottery or grade level lottery or a building lottery. Like what's ha- what's going well at this grade level? Well, let's spread that, spread the wealth. Um, but also looking at the practices that don't have that impact and making that stop doing list. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like teachers and staff, we all work super hard, working hard, 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 spinning wheels sometimes. Um, and so I think it's important that if we're asking our staff to do something different, it could sound like we're asking them to do more when they're already doing so much. So mm-hmm. making sure we kind of get rid of some of those things that are not high impact, high leverage practices. Um, that is our end goal. But we also know before any of that happens, we have to have the foundation, which is that shared mission and vision. Um, and so we're taking our guiding coalition through that. Basically, we're doing everything with our leadership team first before we roll it out with staff. Mm-hmm. Um and, and some of us are ready to roll really fast, and I've been there, done that. I've done it fast in one building in the past, and I know I need to slow it down because we really have to have those shared beliefs. Yeah. Or it's not going to work um, because, really, you want everybody on board. You want everyone paddling and going in the same direction. Um, yeah. You know, the environment right now, it's hard to look forward to February of 2023 or August of 2025 even because – things seem still so uncertain, right? And right. so when obviously you're, we want student achievement, we want student growth, we want student proficiency in a perfect world in, in every priority that we set forth academically. But we- And behaviorally. Okay, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm right. going because we have this huge need for social emotional learning and teaching. And 
teachers have not been trained because we didn't we needed it but we didn't need it like we need it now and so how does that fit into your collective commitments and what are those conversations what are they sounding like that is something that we talk about often and Mm -hmm. not only are academics extremely important but when you look at the workforce that our students are going to be going into in the future like technology is not going anywhere and um that I think has played a role in the way that we process and the way that our brains process as adults as well as kids. Um, I think school has often been known as uh, a very punitive style of discipline, let's say, in dealing with behavior, but we're both very passionate about, you know, the punishment needs to match the crime. How do we restore students? How do we help them keep their dignity while working through these pieces? And knowing that a sense of belonging for students and staff is huge for the success, whether it be behavior or behavioral or academic growth. And so how do we create those spaces where students feel like they belong and staff feel like they belong? So one of our little goals that we've had this year for our teachers is greeting students at the door and having mm-hmm. a morning meeting circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that there's a lot of research behind just both of those activities that will allow students to feel more connected. And when students feel connected and safe, no matter where they're coming from, they're more likely to do better academically and behaviorally when they understand that we are here to support them and not shame them into getting them to do what we want. That is a lot, it provides for a longer lasting um, support for the student versus a short-term change. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that, when we think about the end goals for where we would like to see the building, um, tying in the social emotional with when we're talking about intervention, that it's not just the academic piece. Mm-hmm. So if students are in need of small groups or if they're in need of more of a tier three support, a one-on-one with the building, whoever specializes in that. Um, and so knowing that our, it's not just our teacher's job in the classroom and being able to make clear definitions of what is manageable within a classroom. Um, and then at what point do you need extra support from other adults within the building? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just goes for the same as academics. Yeah. Um, but making sure we have the tools, the resources, and the time. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see, because, you know, COVID is so recent now, and so we don't have the research. Mm-hmm. But it'll be really interesting to see. We mentioned Ken Williams or Dr. Anthony Muhammad or, you know, the DeFore group, um, whoever is working in that PLC work right now, what that is going to look like mm-hmm. two or three years from now and how we have to kind of reshape collaborative work mm-hmm. to meet the needs that haven't been met, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. It'll be really interesting. So what other support outside of these walls, because I'm sitting in the elementary building right now, beautiful Meadow Lane mm-hmm. Elementary, Beyond these walls, what other support are you providing for teachers to um, help them with this building your guiding coalition? Well, our leadership team, or part of our leadership team, went to a conference as well um, back in December to really start grappling with the idea of what does a PLC look like? Because there are folks in our building um, who have experienced PLC in one way, shape, form, or another, whether it be here in Lee Summit or in another district. And so gathering that idea of what it looks like together is what we're trying to figure out a way to make that North Star happen. Mm -hmm. So everything that we do in this building, we want to guide towards that, not just a la carte professional development, but really make a full meal out of it, I guess, Mm -hmm. and try to provide everything works 
together. And so we're providing some opportunities to observe some other buildings uh, coming up in late February, early March in dealing with the behavior side of it as well uh, to just gather more ideas. We're also trying to partner with other school districts or other leaders of other districts to bring them in to help train us as leaders as well as our staff to that are experts on it that know the PLC process really well. Dr. Palmer is an incredible resource that we've had um, at the beginning of the year and we're tying them back in so we're once again trying to model we want everything to flow so as Christine was talking about earlier taking things off the plate uh, sometimes we just put it all on there that a la carte style and it's like no we mm -hmm. want it to be a five course meal that all flows together and so alignment yeah we're trying yeah. to model Align. all of that um, teachers are obviously yeah. able to look for things that they're passionate about and we want them and to to explore that but then also to bring that back and teach us as well mm -hmm. um, I would say outside these four walls it's always important to have um, your central office very involved um, and kind of backing the direction you want to take your building so I know um, they they speak about guiding coalitions and collaboration and leadership and so going back to the most important thing which are the kids right the yep. students keep the main so thing the main thing exactly and we know that that's we want them to feel safe we want them to achieve and, and show growth and all of the good things that we know as educators so how are they involved how are we involving the kids well christine i'm going to speak for you real quick and then you can chime in yeah so you can chime in on that uh, Christine has done a fantastic job of modeling for me what it looks like to keep the main thing the main thing. We've worked through a lot, and I think we are in a very symbiotic relationship now as leaders of working towards that. Very early on in the year, I would get distracted by things that have come up because that's the way that I thought maybe might be the best way to lead. But then when you know better, you do better. And so we work through a lot of those pieces and our leadership styles and making that happen. And so going back to how do students come into it, she does a fantastic job of knowing where we want to go and those steps to go with it. And has thus led us to also a student advisory committee and point of voice and choice, which we know is really important for students to feel that sense of belonging. And so you have more experience with the student leadership than I do, because this is my first year. So we have a student leadership yeah. team uh -huh. and it's great. Um, We're just slowly building that as well. We just met the other day and they made wrapping paper for books for our school board. We had a school board presentation here in a couple weeks, but just beginning to get their voice. And whether you have an official student advisory team or a student leadership team, or if you wanna be really fancy and call it student council, um, I, you, you just have to be out there and spending time with them. We eat lunch with students all the time. We're out, out well, the winter I don't go to recess as often, but in the fall <laughs> I went to recess. I played basketball with them. I mean, you just have to be at their level. You have to spend time with them and in the classrooms. And um, we gathered some feedback from them. I think it's behind me on this wall, which you cannot see in podcast world. However, it talks about what is why they feel our school is special, what they love about our school, but what they can see as improvements. And it's really cool to hear um, what they kind of unwrap and unravel throughout their questioning and answers. Um, but it doesn't stop there for you either. So it's on our wall here, but then Christine does a fantastic job of then effectively communicating that to our staff to let them know, hey, here's what our students are saying. If you want a great follow on Twitter, follow her on Twitter. I mean, mm -hmm. it's constant. I'm not great at it, and we've talked about yeah, that. I'm more not. of like a Twitter stalker <laughs> um, than a Twitter participator, but there's very rarely a day that you won't see something that Christine is celebrating about our kids and it mm -hmm. always comes back to the kids and so when their voice is mm -hmm. shared 
she is then the voice for them to share with our staff, including myself, and outside our four walls as well, which brings a lot of folks um, attention to what Metal Lane is doing now. Yeah, it's definitely a ripple effect. And I do want to highlight something that I saw on social media specifically about Meadow Lane, and that was right around Christmas, I believe, when you, the adults in the community boarded some school buses. Yes. So <laughs> I, it, yes. I mean, it goes right along with building a guiding coalition. So yep. just tell me something about that. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw think, it in pictures, yeah. but I'm it looked sure fabulous. Thought it was gonna, we, we really <laughs> had to just take a risk. We didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, our, with the PTA, because, you know, buildings have been closed because of COVID, so our families, um, the guardians and parents of our students, don't feel that connection to the building, don't have that sense of community, especially having a new administrator. Mm-hmm. They have not really been one-on-one with me. Um, so we thought it was important, especially around the holidays, to get out into the community. So we had one of our school buses reserved for the evening. All of our staff got on. We had cookies and little packets of hot chocolate, not actually made hot chocolate, because mm. that would be weird. I mean, but a hot chocolate <laughs> truck may be a good idea. I don't know. Little plug. Oh little plug for the hot chocolate truck. You know, like an ice cream truck. Yes, okay. I've heard of this okay. theory before. Yeah. Um, and so we just kind of dressed up all holly jolly, and we had a map, and we followed. Or pajamas. Or pajamas. Some yeah, of us had pajamas. Yeah. I did have pajamas on. Yeah. Our students were aware. They actually got a little Polar Express ticket um, that day when they went home. Our families were aware. Lots of communication. Lots of communication about the map, the route we were taking. So all of our families had an opportunity to drive to one of those stops. Um, the only downside was that I did schedule it during a Chiefs game on a Thursday night. I did not pay attention to that part of my calendar. Uh. But the participation, our bus was filled with staff which really shows their commitment to our families mm-hmm. um and then all the stops it was so cool you'd pull up and you couldn't even get off the bus mm-hmm. because there the were kids six or seven and the parents and yes. grandparents family members were like oh they're here and just so the, just mm-hmm. the excitement and so we've got a ton of great positive feedback and i think even next year even when our buildings um i'm gonna go out on a limb and say they'll be open like traditional mm-hmm. um we will still want to do that because I think it's important that you meet your families and your students where they're at. And it's not always at the building. It could be yeah. at the library. It could be on a bus through the neighborhood. So mm-hmm. I think that is, I mean, that to me, and I don't, I haven't seen your collective commitments or, or heard any of your conversations with your leadership team, but that, I mean, that's just building community mm-hmm. with all stakeholders, students, teachers, Families, you know, it's. It, I think it's fabulous. I think it's fabulous. We thought about stopping by the board meeting that was going on. Oh right yeah. Too. We we opted out. Yeah. Not to, but. Yeah. Oh, we had board members visit that day, and we were all in pajamas that yep. day. And one of our board members came, and he wore pajamas and played basketball with the kids. And I think yeah. you just want to highlight the good that's going on in schools because yeah. so often you you hear the negative on yeah. the, in the media and on the news. So yeah, it's really important to um, highlight all the positives. Well, I'm glad that you said that because that's why we're doing this podcast because I want you to be able to tell your story. I don't want anybody else to be able to do that. And, you know, highlighting you um, today on Show Me Education podcast is was the reason for that. So I appreciate you both Thank you. for, Thank you. for so allowing fun, me to Rossi. visit and um, catch us on Show Me Education podcast on Thank any you. of your podcast providers. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Show Me Education podcast. Be sure to share your learning from the show with others. The Show Me Education podcast is a collaborative project between the Regional Professional Development Centers of Missouri 
with a vision of sharing best practices and showing you the amazing and meaningful work of educators across Missouri and beyond. Please subscribe to the show to catch all the wonderful content coming your way.